You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello there, podcasters. Welcome back to the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Thanks for joining us again today. With us once again, your friend and mine, Bill Lack. How you doing today, Bill? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Are, are you like me? Are you excited to have this baseball season finally back? Um, yeah, I wish I had more to be excited about, but yeah, it's, it's you know, beats a hot stick in the eye. Well, yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, yeah, we're not necessarily going to have the world champion Cincinnati Reds at the end of 2009, but we've talked about it several times. There's lots of things to be excited about, just maybe not uh, being competitive this year. Uh, but it's just fun to have baseball back. I, you know, I, it, 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 spring is uh, is here, although it's snowing right here where I am today. And uh, I'm, just, I'm glad to have it back. Yeah, I was glad yesterday that my uh, my first game with the Dragons isn't, for two weeks yet. Yeah, definitely, with the weather <laughs> like this. Maybe you'll get a better opening day than uh, the Reds got in terms of weather this yeah, year. Yeah, you and I have talked. We've both sat through some miserable opening days in our time. So. Yeah, I don't think I've – the one that – the most miserable one I've been in, I don't think compares to the one that you uh, talked about back in the 80s. But it's not fun to sit out there. And, uh, you know, Chris Garber, one of our uh, editors at Red Lake Nation, he was there at the game. We'll try to get him on to talk about what it was like this year sitting out there in the cold weather. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff in the press today locally. Lance McAllister had something on his blog, and Paul Dockery both were talking about, you know, the Reds should open the season on the road, you know, and, and, and come home about a week later hoping to get better weather. But, you know, I, I think that's the worst idea in the world. I mean, it's such a tradition here. It's a holiday. And you know what? There, you wait a week, there ain't no guarantee the weather's going to be any better. Exactly. You know, it's the one thing, uh, even through the down years, it's the one thing that uh, Cincinnatians have sort of had, you know, having that first game at home. And, you know, two years ago or whenever it was, when it was 70 degrees, 75 degrees, you know, no one was complaining then. So, it, you know, you take your chance. You can go somewhere on the road. It may be just as bad there uh, when you get back. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. I love the pageantry of it. You know, a lot of people don't like to go to the game because there's a lot of people that don't generally go to games and things like that. And I guess I understand that, but it's it's just such a festive atmosphere. I, I've been to, I guess, six opening days. I didn't go this year, obviously, but I, I love it every time. Win or lose, it's a fun experience. Yeah, it's, and it's something everybody that's a Reds fan should do once. You know, at the very least, you need to go to the parade, the hokey parade, and see, you know, the... All the, the bad floats and the high school bands and, you know, it's, uh, somebody else put the B-level celebrities and the local politicians and all that stuff and right. the crowd. And, and, and it is. It's a different, it's a different mindset than the, than, the, than the rest of the year. It's a different type of crowd. I mean, it used to be. I don't know if they still do this or not. It used to be on opening day, the ushers all wore tuxedos. Yeah, I don't know if they did that uh, this year or not. I know the grounds crew has in the years past as well that I've been there. But uh, I agree with you that everybody, uh, if you're a Reds fan, you need to make an effort at some point in your life to just go and take in the parade. And, you know, uh, I've been to the parade actually a couple of times. And it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, a lot of kids there, a lot of people excited to have baseball back. It's a, it's a fun day. Yep. Couldn't agree would've more. Been, yeah, I was going to say, it would have been more fun if uh, the Reds had won, I guess, on opening day this year, huh? 
Well, yeah, but you know, I, I think we're gonna. I think yesterday was an indicator of, uh, of what we're gonna see a lot of this year. You know. Yeah, I think that everybody kind of assumes. Uh, even the people that are, are happy with the uh, sort of the uh, acquisitions the Reds made in the offseason and the new direction they're taking, and and I'm not entirely dissatisfied with that. I'm not trying to suggest that, but I think everybody suggests that. You know, two to one games may be the uh, what we have to look forward to this year uh, fairly often. And you know, yesterday uh, for opening day, the Mets did have Johan Santana pitching, and you know, it's gonna be hard to score runs against him anyway. But I agree, it's probably a microcosm of what we've got to look forward to the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, you combine that with the with the decisions made, the roster decisions that were made over the weekend. And it, it doesn't bode well for, for the offensive production of this team in the long run. It does not. It does not. You know, uh, you know I love Paul Yonish, um, but look, he's, he, he's not really ever been able to hit. He's a fantastic fielder, but the decisions they're making with him, and uh, we won't go too deeply into the Darnell McDonald thing, but those are two decisions that clearly, uh, you know, it makes you wonder if they even care if they're able to score uh, because those aren't – it was a couple of bench guys, but those aren't, certainly weren't decisions that were made to maximize scoring on this team. That's true. Even I did hear today, and I, this is not official. I did, this is a rumor I heard, was that Gomes did accept the assignment to Louisville. I think that's a great, uh, great idea. You know, something actually, I actually the, just posted it at Legnet, uh, basically saying that I was uh, Chad. You, you broke know, up. Go ahead and repeat what you just said. Okay, sorry about that. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah. All right, yeah, well, well something I just posted on Red Leg Nation was that uh, I, I was sort of befuddled by the whole uh, Gomes issue, but I said that if if there were some, if Walt Jockety knew that Gomes was actually going to go to AAA, then, you know, I could kind of live with it. If they're, you know, I don't agree with it necessarily, but they could make a decision for a couple of days and still have Gomes. It was the whole idea that we might, might lose what this team really needs, which is a right-handed pinch hitter uh, with some pop. Uh, just for nothing, just because our center fielder was sick and they wanted to keep another guy. That that didn't make sense to me. Well, the other thing that that might be, you know, the other thing that you got to think about too is, and and this is not real fair to Johnny Gomes, is they cut him on the last cut. Rosters were pretty well set. How many teams are going to pick up a guy that had to, that had his year last year and struggled for a couple of years? You know, after they're cut as as a, you know a twenty fifth cut, twenty sixth, twenty seventh guy on a, on a major league team. So the Reds cut him, really knowing probably that he didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, his opportunities had to be limited out there because, like you say, everybody pretty much was, uh, you know, they were set in terms of roster for opening day at that time. I th- yeah, I th- if he goes go to AAA, if that's in fact what happens, I think it's fantastic uh, just in terms of I think he can help the Reds. I don't think he's going to be a world beater. He's not going to come out and hit 50 home runs. But I really do think he can help the Reds, and I also think he'll be up within the next couple weeks if he does go to AAA. I think so. I don't remember who said this on the blog, and it might have been Dan. I can't remember for sure, but he's the kind of the, uh, of chance the Reds need to take. He's a he's a low price, high reward type of signing. Exactly. What are you risking by signing him? You know, uh, nothing in terms of money when you compare it to what uh, you're paying for uh, most players in the major leagues. And he's a type of guy that has had success in the minor leagues. I mean. Tremendous success in the minor leagues, and even had some success on the major league level. So I agree with that 100%. It's the type of uh, chances this team really needs to take. Yeah, it might not work out, but if it does, look what you've got. Exactly. Kind of like uh, you know some of the moves that Kripsky made with respect to uh, 
Brandon Phillips. You know, that was sort of a, a low-risk, high-reward. Uh, we'll, we can discuss uh, and argue all day long about how much of a reward we've gotten out of it, but it's, it was a high-reward pick. Uh, the Josh Hamilton uh, deal, um, where they got him from, from the Rule 5. Jared Burton, absolutely, Rule 5 pick. I, you know, the Reds have I, had success with that. But, going back to Phillips, I don't think you can make any argument that it wasn't a heck of a deal. Right, I, agree. Uh, you know, I mean, they basically—I don't—I couldn't even tell you what they gave up for him. It, it wasn't much, and uh, I, I want to say Stevens was a minor leaguer that we got for him. I, I'm not even positive of that. Now you can question the contract they gave him, but but when they got him, it was a steal. No question, and you can you can argue over how valuable he is now, um, but I don't think you can argue that for what they gave up for him, it was a tremendous deal by Krisky. Now, just to sort of. Since we're talking about opening day and Brandon Phillips, I know uh, Chris told us he was the game that Phillips' face is everywhere in the stadium. We've known for a while he's sort of uh, the face in, face of the franchise in waiting in a lot of ways. But what about him dogging out, uh, not running out of ground ball yesterday? Why doesn't he get more uh, nonsense? Uh, why didn't he get taken to task over that the way Junior used to get it? Uh, what do you think? I think you'd have to ask Marty Brennan. Marty, and you know, I'm not a big Marty fan. I think he calls a great game, but... I don't think there's any doubt that Marty has his favorites, and Brandon Phillips is one of them. And if you're one of his favorites, you aren't going to get nearly the flack you get if you're not one of his favorites. I wondered aloud on the blog, is it just because he smiles all the time? And he seems like a really likable guy in a lot of ways, and he does everything the organization asks him to do with respect to public relations, things like that. But I think you've hit the nail on the head. That Marty's opinions sort of carry more weight uh, in red leg nation than than most uh, and and he does have his favorites always has i don't think there's any doubt that he he's the 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 bellwether of, of whether players are, are deemed popular or or get basically run out of town i mean i i firmly believe that marty brenneman is the main reason adam dunn is no longer with the cincinnati reds what if what if marty decided early on that yeah, Dunn has some weaknesses. You know, Brandon Phillips has weaknesses, too. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, Marty hasn't noticed that. But, yeah, Dunn has some weaknesses. But if Marty had taken the attack that this guy, what he does well, he does as well as anybody, and it's a, something that this team sorely needs. Frankly, this year's team needs somebody in the middle of the lineup that can hit like that. Uh, they've got some speed, and they've got some, uh, you know, high average hitters in a couple other places. They need somebody like that. What if Marty had said from day one, this is a guy the Reds really need, uh, you know, I agree with you. He'd still be here today. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, ramble on about Dunn. We talk about Dunn enough, and you and I are both big fans. But it's been often said here, uh, there's, there was too much concentration on the things Adam did didn't do well, and, and he didn't seem to work real hard on the things he didn't do well. Now he may, or, and, and and it wasn't, you know, known to the general public, but there wasn't nearly enough credit given to the things he does well, and he was a a type of player that had never been seen by Marty Brenneman and, and, the, and the, a lot of the Reds broadcasters. And they didn't, I don't think they knew how to deal with him in terms of, of his skill set. Uh, I was very impressed to hear John Fay talk the other day in, in the interview about what a class act Adam was and that he was always available to the sports writers, no matter whether he was going good, bad, or indifferent. And when he stank, he was the first one to say he stank. He didn't right. make excuses or anything like that. And there's, again, no question that we've beaten this horse to death. And we are trying to sort of back off uh, talking about Dunn so much. But I agree. I, I just feel like Dunn was not the perfect player. 
Um, he was a great player in some respects, and he was below average in some other respects. But I don't think he ever got the credit he uh, deserved here. But, you know, um, and the people that always want to complain uh, that we're talking too much about Dunn, they have a point in the sense that there are some other guys here really worth talking about on this franchise now and, and uh, looking forward. Uh, I was impressed with Bruce, uh, Jay Bruce yesterday, and uh, Joey Votto and Encarnacion in terms of their patience to the plate. I thought they were pretty patient against a really tough left-hander. I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't see any of the game. I was working. I was watching it online, so I, I really can't address that. But I will say this about those three guys: if this team is going to have any chance of success at all this year, those three are going to have to carry the water. Yeah, no question. I think that's the only way they're going to be able to score any runs. And you know, there's. It's not impossible. Those are three really talented guys. Uh, certainly, especially Bruce and Votto. Bruce will have to take a big step forward. But boy, he looked good yesterday. The double he hit. Uh, off the wall against Santana. I mean, you talk about locked in. I mean, he, that was just a – it was like there was nothing to it. Uh, and, and, of course, the announcer was Steve Phillips, former Mets GM. He, he was just talking about the things we've sort of talked about, and you've mentioned from your days watching him, Bruce in Dayton. The ball just sounds different off that guy's bat. Yeah, it really does. Uh, John Faye called it an electric bat the other day, and I thought that was an interesting way of putting right. it. Yeah, that's a great description of it. And um, – I also want to, since we mentioned Encarnacion a minute ago, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. Edwin Encarnacion has gotten hammered, uh, rightly so, by a lot of people for his uh, defensive inadequacies, uh, shall we say. And what do you think about this? The vast majority of the problems that Encarnacion has are his arm, throwing. He's he's just made terrible throws. He missed two great ones yesterday. Both times I was holding my breath, you know, uh, wondering if he was going to throw it in the first row. Do you think that it would be that's something to be easier to fix than than uh, you know not being able to actually field the ball and uh, not being able to move well at third base? And is there a possibility he could actually turn into a pretty good uh, defender? What do you think? I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not a coach, and I've never I never played at any level that meant anything. It would seem to me like when he has as much trouble throwing as he does, it, it almost seems like it has to be a mechanical issue that could be corrected. Now maybe I'm wrong. You know. People that are a lot smarter than I am and know a lot more about baseball than I do have been working with him, and whether it gets any better or not, we'll just have to wait and see. I think unless his defense improves this year, he will not be with the Reds next year. There's too many possible third basemen behind him in the system. Yeah, I agree with that, and and I sort of want to echo what you said because I'm not going to even pretend that I uh, know more about uh, what the mechanical issues are or how to fix his arm, but man, the guy's just so frustrating because you know every other game you'll see him make some crazy, outstanding play, uh, as good a play as anybody uh, makes on the team, uh, Brandon Phillips included. Uh, but then every other day as well, you got him throwing one into the third row. So I don't know. I I'm, maybe I'm just being hopeful because I really like the kid. I think he works hard, and I want him to be part of the future of this organization. But I think you're right. I think that unless something gives on that front, is uh, defensively, um, he's he won't be around because. We do have a ton of options uh, that'll be ready to take over very soon. Yep, and, and and you know he'll be more of a valuable trading option because he'll be a proven major league hitter. Right, he's still a young guy. He's just he's like four months older than Joey Votto. Right. So, yeah, I yeah, think, I think John. I think John uh, Faye said that the other day in the interview. And I think we forget that often. You know, he's been in the big leagues for what? This is his, is this his fourth year? Fourth uh, year, yeah. 
but he's still very, very young. And, you know, I I think we get too, too, in too big a hurry to write guys off. I mean, Homer Bailey is a prime example. How many people on this on on our blog and even some of our editors, I think, were ready to throw Homer under sure. the bus over the winter? You know, and yeah, now absolutely. everybody's yeah. talking about how great his attitude is and he's really turned it around. Well, you know, he's twenty two years old. I'd hate to tell you all the dumb things I did when I was twenty two years old. I don't want to hear the dumb things you did when you were twenty two. <laughs> I was we, we couldn't put him on was, this blog, was, let me tell you that. Uh, that's right. I was perfect, see, so I can't relate to, uh, to what Homer's been through. But, yeah, you're right, 22 years old. I mean, uh, it's very easy to forget that because it seems like it's been around in our consciousness for, you know, years now. Um, I'm real hopeful that he's going to go to Triple. I don't think he should have been sent to AAA. I, you know, I'm not going to hammer the Reds for it, but um, I, I, mean, I, I understand why they made that decision. But uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to see him make the major league roster after the fantastic spring. And, and the fact that he sort of turned the corner on a lot of the things they were asking him to work on. You know, mechanically in terms of his control, but as well as his person personality-wise, I thought it would have rewarded him for that. But uh, I want to see him go down to AAA and, um, and and be ready in a week or two because you never can tell when uh, Bronson Arroyo is going to, you know, his carpal tunnel will act up or who knows what's going to happen. Uh, pitchers get hurt a lot, so he, he we'll is, see what happens. I, on I that. did see on Louisville's website today, though, he is their opening day starter. Um, you know, and, and somebody, I mean, I don't know if it's on our blog or whether I read it somewhere else, where somebody was kind of decrying him being sent down and saying, you know, he they, they rewarded him for doing the things they asked him for doing by a, with a trip to, to AAA. And, and I'm not sure that I buy that argument because I think that he um, still has to prove that he can hold this new attitude and these new newfound skills for longer than a month and from what I've learned from talking to these young guys and the and the ones that are real mature understand it is they do more when they're bringing you up through the system than just testing your baseball abilities they test your, your perseverance they test the way you deal with the game mentally how you deal with setbacks and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Homer Bailey was sent down as a test it, it, it's not completely, but as part of the reason he was sent down is a test of this new attitude to see how he deals with it. Well, I don't know which way it is. Uh, you know, I can see the arguments from your side and then on the other side. Uh, you know, I will say this. What you're saying makes a lot of sense in effect because uh, it relates back to what we were just saying. Um, he's 22 years old. 22-year-olds are sort of flighty sometimes. You know, make him, make him prove it. Uh, you know, let him have a little bit of adversity and, and make him prove it. I'm real hopeful that he will prove it. I'm as you said, he's getting that opening day start. I'd like to see him to start off uh, on a dead sprint and then not let up till he's brought to Cincinnati. Well, don't let up after he's brought to Cincinnati either. But yep, I, I agree. And I, I hope he goes down there, and I hope he I hope he throws a. I think I assume their uh, opening day is Thursday, and I'm hoping that he throws a no hitter on Thursday, and that just starts the good part of his season. You know. Absolutely. You know, let you know. Let him pick so well that he forces the Reds' hands. They don't have any choice but to bring him up. There you go. That's um, exactly what we want to see. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of opening day starters, you know, it was mentioned on on the blog there, but uh, another opening day starter we found out today that we're pretty happy about. You want to mention that? Yeah, our buddy old Matt Clinker. He'll be uh, providing he doesn't bring rain in Port St. Lucie on Thursday night. He'll be the opening day starter for the Sarasota Reds, which I would assume, now he hasn't told me this, but I assume when you're the opening day starter, that means you're the number one pitcher in the rotation. And we're real proud of Matt, and we wish him nothing but luck. 
well, he's worked just incredibly hard to get where he's he's at. And he's really just made from the day he set set foot in this organization, he's made progress. He's worked hard towards that, and I think it is a, a sort of a testament to how hard he's worked and how effective he's been as a pitcher. And yeah, he he's got to watch out for for rain because every one of his starts last year seemed like it, it rained out, but. I just like the fact that he's going to get some innings. He's going to get some pitches to show what he can do, and, and he's really earned that. And, you know, I know he wanted to be in Carolina to start the year, but he's got an opportunity now. You know, there's there's movement all throughout the year uh, amongst these clubs. He could be in Carolina soon. Uh, so he just needs to keep keep at it. We're real proud of him, though, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can tell you when he'll get promoted because we're going to be in, on vacation in Sarasota the last week in June. So the right. third week in June will be when Matt gets promoted. That's exactly what it'll go with. Just a, just a toy with you. And now that you've mentioned that problem, I'm sure somebody's filing that away. Terry Reynolds or someone's filing that away, you know, just a, just a fool with you. Uh, that'll teach you to be negative about the Reds. Uh, they'll do that to you. Um, other things about opening day, uh, before we sort of close up shop here, I, you know, I thought Aaron Harang was okay. Uh, he, he only gave up one run in five innings. His control wasn't as good as what we're used to seeing out of Harang, but um, frankly, he looked a whole lot closer to me just watching on television it's a whole lot closer to the harangue of two years ago and three years ago than the one of last year that well, kind of clueless there at times uh during the year um now i know you think he but dusty baker let him throw too many pitches but yeah in 37 degree weather with a crap and rain and and cold and windy and you're right on the river down there and it doesn't make any sense to me um but the things Dusty did on opening day that don't make any sense to me could write a book in themselves. Yeah, no doubt. You know what? Uh, the you know I, what? Though before we get off the the opening day, the roster moves and all that thing, and, and, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody. When the Reds, it seems like since the Reds promoted Jockety, when the Reds do something dumb with the roster, we tend to blame Baker. But when they seem to do something smart or normal, uh. We never Jockety gets the credit. Yeah, it's Jockety gets the credit. Now let, let's remember who who actually makes these last these final roster mate decisions. If if it's Dusty Baker, then Jockety's backing up for his paycheck. So I mean, these decisions were not made without Walt Jockety's uh, okay. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you suggesting that maybe we should be fair to Dusty Baker? I, know I resent that. I, I know. I know it's out there, but I, I think that you know he has to. If he's going to get all, I think he should be able to share the blame with Walt Jockety for for these roster decisions. Now, game day decisions are a whole different ballgame. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I think that sometimes there's a shorthand in a situation like this Darnell McDonald one. I think especially because we've all kind of got that sense that there's this particular type of Dusty Baker type player that he wants on his roster, and Dar- Darnell McDonald seems like that type of guy, you know. Um, you know, a Corey Patterson type. Uh, I'm sorry to bring that name up again, but but you're right. We can't we can't lay all that on uh, on uh, Dusty because yeah, the, the the final decision comes down to Jockety. It's not Dusty's call to make the final decision on those roster moves. So exactly. That's a very good. Um, but I don't want to ever catch you trying to be fair to anyone again. That's not what we're all about. Okay. I'm sorry. I I, I made a mistake. It'll never happen again. All right. You remember that. Uh, but you're right. You're right. Um, and 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 Jockety has some questions to answer. Although you, you got to give him credit for this, he does answer questions more often than Krivsky does. So he's he's willing to talk. Uh, so you get to know what's in his head a little bit. Yep. Um, just to briefly mention uh, just about Aaron Harang and his pitch count. You know, I, I don't really have that big a problem with it. Um, 
because it's Aaron Harang, I guess maybe coming off the injury, maybe I should have more concern about it. If it were Volquez or Cueto uh, or even Homer Bailey in this type of weather or, or in any kind of weather, really, throwing uh, that many pitches early in the year, I'd have a much bigger issue. Um, I guess maybe I'm accustomed to seeing Harang be the workhorse, and, and he's sort of gotten past that window where you know, you're afraid young pitchers might get overworked and, and, and injured because of that. So I do see your point, but I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm more optimistic on that uh, than I should be. So you'll be holding your complaints back until they throw um, Volquez and Cueto later in the week? If they throw that, either of them 120 pitches or something like that, um, well, we won't be able to have a podcast because uh, my head will have exploded. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, try to think what else to be positive about at opening day. The bullpen, other than Herrera, the bullpen uh, looked pretty good. I was I was pleased with that. Yeah, and, 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 and Herrera, could he, he got it could have been worse than it was. I mean... You know, yeah, he he looked nervous to me. You know, watching well, him on said, TV, and, and I can't blame the kid. Yeah, he said in the Enquirer he was really amped up when he came into the ball game, and uh, yeah. I, he'll be. I think he'll be fine. You know, I don't know how good the kid's gonna I be. Think. I think I think he I think he earned his spot. I don't think he needs to be backing up for his paycheck. But uh, you know, I'm not ready to, to throw the kid under the bus for a, a, a mediocre outing on opening day. That's for sure. No, I you know I don't think that's any indicator of what his true ability is, and um, and yeah, he, he amped up is, is a good term. That's sort of what he looked like. He just that was a big situation for a kid. You know, his first opening day, you know, sort of thrust in the middle of a very tight ball game against a team that's one of the favorites in the National League. Uh, you know, I, I can understand that. So yeah, I think he's gonna be fine too. I, um, how secure his roster spot will be if Bray goes down and pitches well, I don't know. That'll sort of be up to Herrera to to pitch well in the big league level, but. I'm comfortable with throwing him in those type of games. I don't have any issue with it. I was I was a little surprised at when he was used. You know, when, yeah, they, when, they, when they had to go to the bullpen that early, I assumed you'd see Massett or Lincoln or something like that. Yeah, I expected Lincoln, and was surprised we didn't get him uh, first thing out of the pen. But, uh, you know, the day I can read Dusty Baker's mind is the day I take myself to the sanitarium. That's right, yeah. Dusty has some reason why he did that. And, and not that I'm uh, arguing necessarily with that decision, uh, you know, I mean, because Herrera, he's, he's been lots out lately, and he pitched well last year. And, you know, uh, there's, there are ways you can defend Dusty on that. So that's not, that's not one of the ones I think we need to put at the top of the list to hammer him about. Uh, on, and I do want to mention one thing, since, since we're trying to be all fair and, uh, and everything today, I've got to say, I hate to have to admit this, but my buddy David Weathers looked pretty good. In his inning of work uh, oh, yesterday, it's killing you. Isn't it? It's killing you. It's killing. <laughs> I know. I want so badly for him to pitch well, but it just scares me to death every time he's in. And even when he pitches well, it makes me. I'm a nervous wreck the entire time. So, but I'm glad he did pitch well, and you know he he didn't scare us any. And I'm going to go ahead and say kudos to you, David Weathers. Uh, See, I'm that way with Cordero. I mean, he scares me to death when he comes in. I, I agree. He doesn't scare me as much as. Uh, Weathers, except uh, that he is in. The, well, I guess Weathers is in the game on uh, in tight spots as well. But Cordero's in there trying to save these out. And and Cordero, you know, after the rough spring he had, uh, I thought he looked. I thought he looked all right on opening day. Okay. We'll see. You know, his velocity was there. Looked like, and uh, I I thought he did okay. So who knows? But uh, we'll see how how good he is. We've uh, focused on some of the ne- uh, positives and a few of the negatives. Anything uh, you think we should add about uh, the opening day performance or what we need to look for going forward? Oh, 
can't think of anything. The, uh, you know, it, it, like you said, it, yeah. We know what we think the offense is going to be like. We know we think it's going to struggle. But uh, you know, after one game, let's keep it in perspective with the with the difficult team and pitching staff that we're facing in this opening series. This is a really good pitching staff. Right. Yeah. We we both believe that the Reds are going to have a hard time scoring this year, but it's not because of how they did yesterday. Yesterday was a, you know, who's who's going to score too many runs against uh, when you look at uh, starting pitcher Santana, then JJ Putz comes in, and and then Efrod comes in to close it. I mean, not many teams can throw those type of pitchers at you. So, yeah, I agree. Let's let's keep it in perspective and don't get too excited about it. I mean, if you look at the at payroll, their starter and their closer are probably making what? Half of what I our team is making? That's <laughs> uh, some outrageous. Um, and in the, in the case of Santana, he's earning every penny of it as far as I'm concerned. I'd love to have that guy. Man. Yeah. Um, you know, we got uh, Thursday. It looks like uh, Arroyo says he's going to pitch. Are you, are you? How concerned are you about Arroyo and the, you know, lingering problems with his carpal tunnel? I don't know. I... Wait and see, right? Yeah. You hope that they that he didn't talk him into it. You hope that they saw him. He threw a bullpen yesterday, and then the decision was made. So hopefully, he looked good from the bullpen, and and that's what brought this. You know, brought him around. Yeah, and, and Bronson, and this is not meant to be a, a criticism at all, but Bronson's the type of guy that I could see trying to talk him into it. You know, uh, that, that's sort of that's sort of what these uh, you know baseball players give me the ball, I'll do it. You know, and Bronson's always wanted the ball. He wants to pitch more often, and so I could see him doing that. And I agree with you. I hope it's not just out of a sense of uh, you know Bronson Arroyo having confidence in himself, which is not a bad thing. It needs to be more that the Red Sea that he lo- he's looking like he's uh, back to back to normal. Uh, I'm concerned about it, but uh, all we can do is wait and see on that. Yeah. I, Got uh, Volquez in. No, go ahead. Yeah, you know, talk, talking about the, the the roster, going back to the roster real quick, something just occurred to me, and, and this will be something that one of our, our stats guys would have to look up. And I don't even know how you'd look it up, but I'd be curious to know on opening day, the last time that a team used a pinch hitter that was a pitcher, on opening day. As the first pinch hitter of the season, I believe. Yeah. Uh, well, and I'll tell you why. You know, bless their hearts, the way they constructed this roster. He was the best right-handed pinch hitter they had available, Micah Otis. Ugh. Makes you wonder. Right. Yeah, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, don't ask me to explain the way they constructed this roster. But no matter no matter what, I'm, I'm still – pumped for this season, and I'm, I'm still hopeful for the team, and I'm excited to watch Bruce and Bono and all these other guys. Really excited for Volquez um, in Game 2 of the series against the Mets. So um, let's keep our fingers crossed and enjoy finally having Reds baseball back. What do you think? I agree. All right, well, that'll wrap it up for us here. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. As always, send any comments, concerns, suggestions to radio at redlegnation.com. Um, if you've not already done it, go subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. That's really the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode of Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, you can also check out the Red Leg Nation Radio tab up at the top of redlegnation.com. Got all the updates, information, everything. Appreciate it, Bill. All right, Chad. All right, thanks again also to all of you out there in the nation. This is Chad Dotson saying so long.